1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SP Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And remember, you can also find us on the all-new Himalaya podcast app, and you should be subscribing to Locked on Packers, as well as shows like Locked on NFL, Locked on NFL Draft. We're having a host mock draft next week as part of our run-up to the mock draft, something that I was heavily involved in. So you're going to want to check that out at the very least over the next few weeks as we ramp up to the NFL draft, and that is why we're having a show today. There's so much to get to, so many players to talk about, so many angles to cover here that we're going to go to five shows a week up until the NFL draft and through the NFL draft, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, we're also going to be ready to react in real time as as much as we can to the draft. So Thursday night, there's going to be a show up late. Friday night, same thing. And then Monday, we'll come back to talk about everything that transpired with Green Bay and their draft. That's where I want... To focus our energy today, uh, my colleague at SB Nation covering the the Packers, Tex Western, wrote about the slot receiver and the the I think the the misconceptions about it and the way that that Green Bay is going to potentially use it. And you know, I think Aaron Rodgers he's used to playing a certain type of way. And Matt Lafleur might see it a little bit differently. Now, I, I I don't know that they they see it in a way that is incongruous, uh, but you know, obviously Randall Cobb has a specific kind of skill set. The the slot receivers that Matt Lafleur has coached have a different kind of profile, and I think it is still common among Packer fans to view the third receiver in this offense as a slot type. You think of the stereotypical slot, uh, undersized, quick, can pick up six when you need four, that kind of guy. Randall Cobb could do more than that, but he was someone that could win early, that you could get the ball out to, and you know that that was going to be that sort of quick twitch receiver. The reality is that's not necessarily the guy that you, that, that Matt Lafleur wants in this offense. This is what Rodgers said about playing without Cobb. He said, it'll, it'll be a lot different. We relied on him for years as that slot guy. The one thing that's definitely there is an opportunity. Who's going to be that guy to take over the slot role? Obviously, the, the abilities of Devontae. We can move him around. He can play anywhere off the ball, on the ball, in the slot. And these offenses you're seeing run in L.A., San Francisco, Atlanta, Madden, and Tennessee, and now here, those guys all had slot guys who can really go. So we need to find out who that guy is. Now that allusion to who can really go I think is important because Rodgers understands that that guy needs to have speed. You have to have speed in this offense. One thing that I noticed watching Matt LaFleur's offense in Tennessee was how often they used Corey Davis and Tajay Sharp in the slot. Not traditional slot players. Julio Jones played in the slot in Atlanta and with, with Matt LaFleur. And that is true of the way that Sean McVay and by extension Matt LaFleur deploy their slot receivers. They don't need Penny Hart Hunter Renfro, some of these smaller guys that are being thrown out there as potential slot receiver options, guys who fit the more traditional way we think about slot receivers. In fact, a lot of the guys who were drafted and it, we said, oh, those guys are going to be slot receivers. Taiwan Taylor in Tennessee or Taylor Gabriel. He profiles, you'd think, from a size standpoint as a slot receiver. Didn't play there in this offense. You go back and look at that Tennessee offense last year. The guy who played in the slot more than anyone else was Tajay Sharp. That's a big body possession type receiver. He played almost 50% of the snaps in Tennessee in the slot. Corey Davis was second. And so that is a trend that we see. They like to put, they being the Shanahan West Coast Disciples, Kyle, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur. They like to put. Their top receiver in the slot. Devontae Adams is going to play in the slot. He's going to play 30% of snaps in the slot because they're going to play out a bunch. They're going to play with two tight ends and they're going to put a tight end on the outside with Devontae in the slot. That's going to happen. You go back to 2017. Cooper Cup played in the slot more than anyone else by almost an entire factor. Like so two to one. Cooper Cup was the leading slot receiver. Played almost 60% of his snaps in the slot. Sammy Watkins, theoretically their number one, was second. Robert Woods was third. And you go back to 2016 in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan. Muhammad Sanu played almost 59%, basically an identical number to Cooper Cup in the slot. Julio Jones was second. Cooper Cup, six-two. 200 pounds, Mohamed Sanu, 6'2", over 200 pounds, Tajay Sharp. These are big-bodied receivers. The thing about playing in the slot is in this offense, in a lot of cases, the slot guy needs to be reliable. So you need the Taylor Gabriel. You need someone who can take the top off of the defense because that creates space. You need space, and when you have... A receiver who is reliable but generally speaking not the most dynamic you need other players to create space for them and so you use your play design you use deep posts and go routes to clear out space to make room for the defender so that you have your reliable go-to guy underneath so you can get 10 yards on third and eight playing in the slot is about matchups but it's also about spacing It's about timing and it's about rhythm. So you put your number one guy in there because in the slot, especially out of a formation like Bunch, you're creating confusion on the defense. So you're setting that play up for your most reliable guy and then he is able to either get open or, as they often did in Atlanta, they used Julio as the decoy. He's the guy clearing out space, and then now Mohamed Sanu has room to work. He's wide open, and you've got yourself a first down. The Packers have guys like that on the roster. Guys like Jeronimo Allison can, can do that. In fact, Jeronimo Allison is a pretty close comp physically to someone like Mohamed Sanu in terms of he is not going to get down the field on a regular basis, but he is a reliable underneath receiver who uses his body well, uses his technique well to get open. Not, not going to be shifty after the catch, not going to be dynamic down the field, is a reliable dude. You look at someone like Equinemius St. Brown. He might be a, another. He's someone that has certainly been talked about as a potential slot option. I think he can be. But I think he profiles better as someone who's going to get you down the field. He's a better route runner than you would think for someone his size. Worrying about the size archetypes for these kinds of things, I, I just doesn't, I don't think it serves anyone. And I don't think the Packers, frankly, are going to care. I, I just don't see them adhering to these arbitrary size paradigms. They just don't care. Matt LaFleur talked about liking the length of these receivers. Here's what he said about the, the slot. I think the slot, especially what we can, what we want to do, has to have some good instincts and really want a smart player that can call choice routes with and take smart players to do that. The guys I've been around that have been capable of doing that, like Cooper Cup was really good at that in L.A., Mohamed Sanu was really good at that. That's why you put your best receiver in the slot, because you trust him to make the right decisions. If you're going to call option routes, you need to be on the same page with your quarterback. It's why Geronimo Allison could make sense as a slot target because he has that rapport with Aaron Rodgers. He is not going to win down the field, so you don't want him doing that. But again, getting eight yards on third and six, clearing out space for him, yeah, he can do that. But so when we talk about draft prospects, which is what we're going to get to in just a second, It is not the case that they're only going to be looking at Andy Isabella or Terry McLaurin or some of these guys who fit the more traditional slot receiver profile. They're going to be looking for guys that they trust to make smart decisions, guys that they trust can get open and make the catch and be reliable. They want smart, reliable football players because they have the speed. Devontae Adams can get down the field. MVS can get down the field. Equinemius St. Brown can get down the field. If they want to add a pass catcher, what they need is intelligence and reliability. Someone who can be consistent because right now their depth is perilously thin. So who can do that for them? Who is available in the draft that could do that for them? We'll get to that in just a second. So I think, first and foremost, I have made the case in the past that the number two receiver can be a tight end in terms of receptions, in terms of targets, if they find one they really like. I think you're going to see Jimmy Graham in the slot. You're going to see him in the slot a lot in two tight end sets. Jeronimo Allison, Devontae Adams on the field, Jimmy Graham on the field, Mercedes Lewis on the field, Aaron Jones, or Jamal Williams in the backfield. And again, he is a tight end, so he's used to running option routes. And I know that he had some issues with his hands last year, but maybe in this offense with a little bit more time with Aaron Rodgers and with non-broken fingers, they can develop a better rapport. I think it continues to be the case that a tight end can be a focal point, a number two pass catcher, even if they're not a receiver of sorts. Now, Ben Fennel astutely pointed out that the way this offense works, they're able to create space for their tight ends through scheme. So they don't have to expect that they can overmatch you with their talent because the scheme is so good. The play design is so good. We talked about this yesterday with the receivers, making life easier for the receivers because you can win with play design. This offense does the same thing with tight ends. Now, having a tight end who can win on his own is obviously a boon for any offense. But you don't need Noah Fant athleticism to crush in this offense. It would be nice because you can turn what should be 20 yards into 40 yards if you're someone like Noah Fant or if you're George Kittle or, or one of these top athletic receiving tight ends. But it is the case, as Ben points out, That it is more important that the tight end can play down to down to down, can be a factor in the run game. That part is more important. It's why I have never wavered on the notion that Irv Smith Jr. makes sense for Green Bay. I think the guys who make the most sense for Green Bay from a tight end standpoint at the top of the list are Hawk, Irv Smith Jr., and Dawson Knox guys like Noah Fan. I think Noah Fan can become a good inline blocker and maybe by the time he needs to in year 2, he can he can give you more of that. Jay Sternberger, same kind of thing. He is a he is a real joker tight end. He's a move tight end. It would be nice to have someone who can block because you can find you can find the the just blocker guys in the late rounds. You can find those guys. I think they're going to take two tight ends in this draft. And you can find guys who are a little bit more just receiver types. It's harder to find the guys that can do it all. And someone that can do that in this offense that makes you less predictable, they want to play with two tight ends more often. Getting someone that can do that, that maybe doesn't have the athlete athleticism. That's why Irv Smith Jr. I don't think is off the board or shouldn't be off the board. This is a team that drafted Richard Rodgers, after all. They're not going to prioritize only that elite athleticism. They need other stuff. I really like the idea of Irv Smith Jr. in this offense as someone who can, by the way, play in the slot, but also play in line. I think using a tight end as that big slot is something that is certainly in play here in this offense, and you worry less maybe about what's going on with the receivers because you you have a reliable pass catcher. Pass catchers are pass catchers. You know, the ball doesn't care. It doesn't matter to the yards in in under whose column in the stat sheet they go. It doesn't matter to the points as long as they all go to the Packers. We we have to stop looking at this through the lens of the old team and we have to stop being so rigid when we're having these discussions worrying about position Titles. Who cares? I I you know, the Chiefs offense doesn't work if Travis Kelsey is not a monster. The Eagles offense doesn't work if they don't have multiple tight ends who can catch passes. Look at these offenses that are winning games in January, and a lot of them have offenses built around the fact that their tight ends make them unpredictable. You put Rob Gronkowski on the field, you can do anything in your playbook. You put Travis Kelsey on the field. Now, he's not a great blocker, but you play with two tight ends and have someone else who can block. You create a lot of matchup problems for opposing defenses. You put Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz on the field together. You can run anything you want, and they are both matchup problems against opposing teams. This is, again, why it's not crazy to me to think that they could go with their first pick and take a pass catcher and a pass catcher with their second pick. Now, we're going to talk about the wisdom of that in a little bit, but I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities by any means. Now, the receiver names, like I said, I don't think we have to just focus in on on like McLaurin or Debo Samuel, who's a more traditional body type. If they want someone who is consistent, if they want someone who you can get the ball out to quickly and they can create after the catch, someone who lives underneath, Paris Campbell is just such a brilliant fit in this team. I I love the fit from the standpoint of Ohio State didn't push the ball to him down the field. That was actually McLaurin's job. And so it seems counterintuitive to suggest he would be the ideal fit for Green Bay given they want to push the ball down the field. Except that so much of what you want out of a slot receiver in this offense is creating underneath. You run those crossing routes. You run mesh and you have speed across the field. All of a sudden you give him the ball four yards down the field. He can turn it into 40. He's used to running those little underneath stop routes. Just just go, find a zone, and sit down in it. Dwayne Haskins threw a million of those to him. He has those kinds of playmaking traits down the field as well. Now, that wasn't something he did a lot, but you can use him in the backfield, use him on kick returns. He can do a little bit of everything for you in this offense and give you a type of receiver that they don't have. I think there is similar things to be said about Nikhil Harry, someone they very much like. He is a bigger-bodied type, tested well athletically, but is not the smoothest route runner yet. He is still learning the nuances of the game, but he's experienced. He is smart. He can win underneath. Because he can be physical. So even if he is not a polished route runner right now. It's going to be tough for corners to wrestle the ball away from him. And if you can create for him. This is what's great for him. As a slot receiver. If you can create separation for him. Put him in the slot. Use him in situations where the play is helping him get open. While he learns the nuances of getting open himself. And then get him the ball. He can create after that. I love the idea of him in this offense with Devontae Adams, with these other guys who can get down the field. MVS can play that, that Taylor Gabriel route even though he's not 5'9". You don't have to be small. That's not the point. The point is get down the field. Being able to use Harry in the slot where you can create the separation for him. You can create space simply by the play call that mitigates the the lack of polish that he has but as from a talent standpoint he has exactly what you're looking for and it's one of the reasons why i i have advocated for the hawk harry first round now, is that is that you know my number one option no but i think it makes sense especially with what we talked about yesterday trade down to from 12 to 15 if you can, and then take that extra pick and move up from 30 into the 20s because you might have to to get that guy. And then the wild card to me is J.J. Arthego whiteside Huge crushes in the in the red zone, ran, ran four fours at his pro day, and he can get down the field. He can win underneath. He can win in the red zone and even though he's not a prototypical slot receiver he is sort of that prototypical big slot and it would just be a fun toy for Rodgers to have it just again that's why he's a wild card that's the point the question i think that that is worth talking about is where are these guys going to go where is the value what is the prudent way to build this roster we're going to get to that right after this
2: The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E.
1: So Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, former scout, Tweeted out that he wouldn't be surprised if just one receiver went in the first round. Mentioned that that would be Hollywood Brown. So, no DK Metcalf, no Nikhil Harry, no Kevin Harmon, no, you know, none of these names, no Paris Campbell, that it could just be one guy and it would be Hollywood. I think that would be in some ways surprising, but DJ wouldn't be surprised. So, that leads me to this question, and that is. How does it make sense to build this roster? How do you best add this pass catcher? Clearly, they want a tight end. You take one early. You, you just you have to. You don't have to, but the, the, I think the goal should be to get one of these top guys. And I, I you know, I told you the names that I like: Hawk, or ISJ, and Dawson Knox. I think those are the three names early of the early group that make the most sense for this team. The question I think that's harder to answer is where do you go with the receivers? Based on the other, the other players that they might want to pick, based on the other needs, the, the holes they want to fill, where do you take a receiver? They have, to my mind, enough developmental players. You have Geronimo Allison. You have EQ. You have MVS. And you don't, still don't know what you have in Jamon Moore, but he's on the team. Jake Kumaro is a thing. Those are developmental players. The only true blue chip player that you have as a pass catcher of any kind is Devontae Adams. So it makes sense to me that either you take a receiver in the top 50 or a guy you think is a top 50 player falls to 75 or you just don't bother I mean, unless you think the value is just crazy good, I just I don't see the value in it. You have guys on the roster that you can develop that have talent, that have ability. You don't need more lottery tickets. You need more assurances. You need a blue-chip talent. Because if Devontae Adams gets hurt, this team is suddenly in big trouble. And having a Nikhil Harry or a Paris Campbell, someone with a defined skill set that can go create for you in a specific kind of way, and you, and you are pretty sure that they can do that right away, that that benefit, not just in year one, but in year two and year three, because th- those young players haven't developed yet. We don't know what Geronimo Allison's future in this team is. We don't know what MVS and EQ are going to look like in year two or Jmon or... Jake Kumro, touchdown Jesus. We don't know what they're going to look like. So to get someone that can be that true number two next year, the year bef- the year after, the year after that, and the year after that, there is so much value in that. Not just as an insurance policy, but as another diverse player in this offense. So there are later round guys that I think you know could could fit the bill here as well. I wanted to to mention some of those bigger names because those are I I just think that's where it makes sense. That's where it makes sense to target those kinds of receivers. So it'll be interesting to see what where they go and, and what they do if that's a if that's a route they choose to take. I don't think anyone should be surprised if Green Bay takes a receiver at 30 or 44. And they've had tremendous success receiver at 44. If someone falls down, I mean, if, if no one goes, if no one goes, if DJ is right and, and Hollywood Brown is the only guy that goes in the first round, then there are a bunch of dudes who could be there. I mean, what if, what if DK Metcalf is on the board at 44? I mean, I know he's not everyone's favorite pick at 12. If he's there at 44, I mean, that's a no brainer. Uh, the value of Paris Campbell, Nikhil Harry, those guys at 44, hell yes. I mean that would be that would be insane if Green Bay were able to pull that off and get one of those players that late in the draft. I, I'm I'm still formulating the way that I think this is all going to go and should go. I know Ed Oliver is still the the ideal for most people at 12. I'm getting the sense he's going to be off the board and so that's going to create some opportunities for them to move around and and do do some different things i think the the most likely scenario is pass catcher and pass catcher at 30 and 44 i I'm, I'm, I'm i believe that i really do right now obviously the draft is long enough away it can break a lot of different kinds of ways and it's always situational the value at 12 is not in a pass catcher, it's not a tight end, it's not a receiver, it's getting that either offensive lineman or defensive playmaker. After that, I really like the value at 30 and at 44. Obviously, you want to get a safety in there if you can. You want there's there's always ways you want to add to the pass rush if you can get a defensive lineman you like. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities to get different kinds of players. But as I said, if you want to add a receiver the top of the draft is the time because blue chip talent is what this team lacks. If you want to add a tight end, the top of the draft is the time for all the same reasons as it is with receiver. Now you can find a guy later in the draft who maybe you think can develop. Let's say Knox falls to 75 deal deal. And there, it is. it is a relatively deep tight end draft, although I think it's not quite as talented as, as some people will have you believe after the top group of guys. Irv Smith Jr. falls to 44. Sign me up. Nikhil Harriet, 30. Sign me up. You'd love to get some of these safe. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Jonathan Abram, all these dudes that I really like. Yeah, you want to get them, but you, you want it to make sense for you in that moment. So I think it could also be the case that they don't get one at all because the value just isn't there. It doesn't make sense on day three to go get one. So. Those are things we can talk about over the next few weeks. Uh, We're gonna talk about player visits, start to put together a scenario that that I think is likely. What I like to do is look at who they're interested in, where those guys are likely to go, who is most packers-y, and try and project what Green Bay, what their game plan is. Now the game plan always changes. You get you get trade offers and all of a sudden you're trading down and You're passing on Derwin James and you're trading back up and and drafting Jair Alexander. That happens. I want to give you a roadmap for the Green Bay Packer draft. So we're going to do a lot more of that in the next few weeks as we get toward the NFL draft. So much more to talk about. Remember, you can subscribe to Locked on Packers on iTunes, Locked on NFL Draft, Locked on NFL. If you haven't checked those out, I highly encourage you to go do that you can also follow me on twitter at peter follow the podcast on twitter at locked on packers like us on facebook and anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay locked on packers